Welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we are at our first inaugural uh, Trust Company Talks, and uh, I'm excited to get going here. I'm here with my, I'm Burke Coons. I'm here with my co-host, Bill Noble, and uh, and we're here with, with our very first guest here um, with Leland Little and Lauren Sanford. And, um, and so, uh, you know, we, we, the idea for these uh, little chats is to bring to our clients, our mutual clients, uh, you know, people that we uh, know and trust and do business with and, and, and in the hopes that we can you know, identify areas where we share in common interests. And, and uh, anyway, I just thought we'd start off with some uh, old friends of ours uh, in the business, um, uh, Leland and Lauren. Uh, Leland? You want to tell us a little about yourself and and uh, or, or Bill? Uh, do you have anything you want to say about uh, you know, how you got to know our friends here? Um, yeah, first of all, uh, Leland, Le- Leland, and Lauren, we're very very uh, appreciative to have y'all today. And um, yeah, I've known Leland for gosh twenty years probably now, um, and and we met at a estate planning conference a long time ago, and I was just fascinated by what they do. And it's a very unique service. And I thought, what a great group or uh, subject matter to talk about for for our first uh, inaugural trust company talk. So, um, Leo, why don't you just start out by talking a little? Bill, we did meet. It was 15, 20 years ago at one of the estate planning conferences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we were successful in, in, in hooking your wife. She's now a good client. And so we, yeah. we did achieve that, did we not, Bill? Uh, she lo- she's she's in love with you guys. So, I mean, yeah. So, so something went well there. But um, uh, my story is is um, uh, unique but simple. Um, and and like a lot of people going to college, you're you're working a, a part time job. Uh, I actually have a, a music degree. And while I was in school, um, I was working at a um, local auction company uh, just to make extra money, moving furniture and setting up for auctions. In those days, Bill, you didn't have the big galleries. You you went out on on a Saturday morning and, and, and put out a, a tent and brought all the things out in the front yard of the farm, if you've ever been anything like that. But um, th- those were the, the glory days, if you will, for, for on-site auctions. And uh, and that's how I cut my teeth. I, I, I simply loved the old antiques, all the old wallet and antique furniture. And I simply loved uh, the energy uh, of an on-site live auction, uh, both of which you, you just can't beat. So um, uh, because I fell in love with both those things, uh, I, I stayed in the, uh, the business. Fast forward here now, 25 years later, and um, we were very fortunate to uh, uh, be in a position where, um, uh, as you all have seen, we have uh, multiple departments specializing in lots of high-end collectibles um, and uh, servicing our, our regional clients uh, with the material back out to the, uh, the collectors uh, really throughout the, throughout the world. So um, that's really it in a nutshell, gentlemen. Leila, did you study for this sort of field or, or did you just come across it as something that became a passion of yours? Yeah, the, the latter. Um, so again, I, I studied music in, in college. And again, while I was uh, doing that, I started working at a local auction house. So um, I just immediately became uh, highly interested in the history uh, History of America, American antiques in particular, American paintings. And so, um, uh, like a lot of people, probably not much, much uh, different than yourselves, a lot of what you do, a lot of what many people do in their professional setting, they learn in the field. They learn on the job. You, you, you learn out there how, how to, to make things work. So, um, uh, no, I do 
there are several people, including uh, Lauren, have fine arts degrees uh, at our facility and, and otherwise, but uh, my time has been spent just out there in the field working in the auction business. Excellent. Well, Lauren, would you want to take a second and maybe tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I am um, the prints and multiples and photographs director at Leland Little Auctions, and I've been at the auction house for seven years. It's flown by. I can't believe it's been seven years. Um, I So I um, have always loved art. I got my PhD in art history, and I um, tried a lot of different art jobs as I was sort of figuring out which path I wanted to go with an art career. I you know, I worked in some galleries. I worked in a museum. I actually worked in an auction house for a little bit in New York right after college. Um, but really, this is, and Leland, I'm not just saying this, but you know this anyways, this is my most favorite. I mean, I've found sort of my soulmate spot job. It is so much fun and it's so fast paced. You just never really know what's going to walk through the doors of the auction house. Um, it's a really good team. And so we get to do a little bit of everything. It's really cool. We, um, you know, right from the beginning to the end, you know, someone will bring in an item, they want to sell at auction, we'll evaluate it, put a value on it and um, list it for sale, reach out to buyers. So you get to see something throughout its whole process and it's really cool. So um, yeah, I feel really lucky. I get to see things by really um, special blue chip artists that come in pretty regularly. So I love it. Talk about, if you will, a little bit about, you know, if somebody, you know, has a situation where uh, uh, their grandparents have passed away or their or family uh-huh. members have passed away and they've got all these beautiful antiques and they've got all these things and they don't know how to price these things or talk, talk through that process. Cause I think it's a very, it's a service that is very valuable to a lot of people, especially as you know, as wealth has accumulated over the years for, for multiple generations in this country. Um, talk a little bit about that, either, either one of you. Know. It's, it's such a great question, Bill, not to interrupt, but I just know I'm from personal experience. My, yeah. my my in-laws are both, well, they've both recently deceased. And we're kind of going through that process right now as they're trying to determine, you know, what what is this stuff? It, and it's you're talking about a, a generation or a lifetime of accumulating, uh, you know, whether it's antiques or, or uh, art. And uh, I just think it's, yeah, I, I, I personally, I'm I'm clueless, you know, how to operate in this environment, and so um, probably should reach out to you guys earlier. But 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 uh, but yeah, t- talk about that and 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 how you kind of walk people uh, through that situation if that were something that you were going to be doing for me, for example. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, yeah. So it's it's neat because we see several different types of um, you know situations. Some like you're talking about, which are large estates, which have various different items that fall into various different categories, different departments, you know, it might be a little bit of art, a little furniture, some silver jewelry. So what we like to do is talk to the the family, to the people who um, are interested in consigning, get a sense of what they're interested in doing and what their expectations are, um, go view the collection as a whole. And that's always a really good starting point because, Um, We've done it long enough where when you look at the whole group, it gives you a sense in your head of the best way to move forward, whether it's, you know, selling it all together in one sale, 
picking several items that we think we have a strong market for and where we can do the best job for the family. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's something that we, that we wouldn't do well with and we have to, you know, tell them that, um, but that's always a good first step. And then we get into more details, you know, which sales, if we're going to put valuations on items, you know, estimates, um, but yeah, seeing everything as a whole at first is a good, good starting point. Does typically when you, when you do that, do you send like a point person in from, from the firm from, and they kind of just start with the, you know, the macro looking at everything the person's got. And then I guess you have to, y'all have got so many different specialists in so many different areas. I know. Um, But so y'all will price things out for them of what they could sell it for or what you think, or what you think you could, they could, you know, how they could do it in an auction or, is it, there's so many different ways I've seen people deal with these issues and I don't know any, anything y'all could elaborate on that would be. Would yeah. Be it, yeah. So we have several people at the auction house, a good number of people that um, may have one particular specialty, but they are sort of, you know, generalists too, and can look at lots of different categories and say, okay, um, this is um you know, they can identify different items in different departments and they can get a sense of everything, even though their specialty, their main specialty might be one item. Um, and then it really depends. Like recently, I know I went to um, someone's home and saw a lot of really beautiful works by contemporary artists that I just I know are going to be strong and that we'll do well with. I know also they'll require more research and that I'll be able to delve into that more when they get back to the auction house. So I explained that to them that probably wouldn't be able to give specific estimates on things until the items got back to the auction house, you know, just because they would require more research, but time was of the essence in that situation. So we're just moving forward and going to learn new things as we go. But, you know, I just, know that it's a good grouping, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So but sometimes we do estimates up front sometimes, right. or, or we don't provide some types of items. We don't provide necessarily estimates. Do you, is that, do you have anything to add to that Leland? Yeah. Uh, Mark, I would add to your question, like in your situation, you mentioned really with your personal family or estate situation you're dealing with, people are always selling for different reasons. I hope we can understand that, right? They're, they're selling because uh, someone is moving. They're, they're selling because they're downsizing. Um, we're selling because of a court order. Uh, we're selling because of a divorce. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. It could be a collector who's who's uh, uh, selling to generate money because they want to buy something different within their, their collection that's you know, a higher step above. Um, so, uh, Many times when you're working with large estates, large collections, working with attorneys, uh, trust, right? The question is, hey, do you want these things or not? And so Lauren or I or any number of our team members simply go in to see, are there assets, are there collectibles here that are either going to be um, agreeable with the marketplace or not? Uh, And if there are, we just proceed. Other times, it could be, uh, to Lauren's point, somebody who's a collector, they're very concerned about what the market may do or do with this this work and, and so it's our uh opportunity to say hey you know we, we think this work if it goes to market may bring between x and x that allows that person to say you know gosh for that kind of money i think i'll just continue to, to store it or use it or you know for that kind of money this would be a good opportunity to enter the market um uh, 
just like in, in your uh, job, gentlemen, the markets are moving all the time. There's a good time to buy and there's a good time to sell, right? And what was a good time to buy and sell last year may not be the same currently, right? That you might do for a portfolio for a client. So our markets are moving as well um, in terms of what is gaining speed to, to, to sell or what's gaining speed to collect. Um, uh, as opposed to some people say, hey, you know, it may be the wrong time to sell this type of asset, but I need to because we're moving or we're downsizing. So, um, you know, or somebody has passed away. So we, we just need to get this done if you're if you think the market will have some appetite for it. That's super helpful. Again, I should have talked to you earlier. <laughs> um, but but uh, in our case, it's not like it's a massive estate. It, but it's it's really more like you know we just don't know what you know you know what should we. Of course, my wife doesn't want to part with anything, which is fine. Um, but it's like uh, it, it's it's difficult for us to go through and 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 as we're trying to settle, um, you know, with with you know her brother, for example. I mean, you know, how how does one know what's worth what's fair to everybody? And, and so these are types of the, the types of things you must probably deal with all the time. It's just fascinating to me that. I can be such a fish out of water in this topic, and then you know, and, and then be talking to someone like you guys who, uh, who would you know, just kind of know the know the protocols and the pros and the, the steps that you go through to help you know keep everything uh, running smoothly. So uh, we kind of jumped into it really quickly, and I, I think that was me. But uh, but you know, tell us a little about you know what what are the services that you guys provide? I mean, I know there's more than just um, just straight up auction, but you know, just maybe talk a little bit about the firm. Yeah, so Mark, that's a great question, and and we like to be very clear about that. We find that in, in, in business, to have a clear uh, service that you provide is how you can specialize, and and we have one service, and that service is that we are auctioneers of collectible goods. That's all we offer, right? And so now we can unpack that, and as Lauren said, we have different departments from collector vehicles to prints and multiples to fine jewelry to um, whiskey and and many more, but at the end of the day, when, when when someone's engaging our firm and they want to engage us, they're engaging us to specifically take those collectible assets and take them to market using the auction method, right? And sell them at public auction. That is the service that we provide. And that is the only service that we provide. So they've made the decision that they're they don't want you to come in and just take over everything they have that they think they want to get rid of. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, you come in and give a, an estimated price and say, they decide, okay, we're not going to sell these, but, but we do want to take these to auction. They're only going to, they're only going to do the ones that they want to take to auction with you guys and sure. the rest of it. They've got to handle themselves or do, or do what, however they want to mm-hmm. go about dispersing those. That's right, Bill. In many cases, to be clear, again, we're we're a specialty house, right? Yeah. Specialty collectible material. So uh, many collections and uh, states that we look at, they don't have the product that we know the market's looking for, right? And and we're unable to provide service. Uh, Many times, to your point now, they'll have a few assets in there that are um, interesting and very marketable, and we're able to to work on that. But in all cases, on on the larger scope, you know, there, there, in every home, in every collection, there are things that are, you know, good for the house, right? Mm-hmm. Sofas and kitchenware and so forth, and and they've got to call it tag sales or, or liquidators, and uh, and that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and to be clear too, when we talked, we mentioned a few times. Uh, I heard Lauren talking about price and 
and buying. So to be clear, also the, the service of an auctioneer is very similar to what I mean by uh, a real estate agent. What I mean by that is that we are hired as an agent and um, uh, just like a financial advisor or a real estate agent, we work on commission, right? Mm -hmm. So when we agree to sell something, we're working for the consigner. We are right. an agent and, and we are our fiduciary, right? That's what we, we hear that in real estate. Our fiduciary is the consigner, right? And we're selling back out to the buyer and earning a commission. So not unlike what, what y'all do, not unlike mm -hmm. those agents do, um, uh, very much what the auctioneer does. We represent the consignment. Well, to, to that point, point, yeah, to, and to that point, because um, we're going to have you guys back because I, I've, I have been to y'all's, I've, I've been to your your um, location in Hillsboro, and I know you guys are building a, a brand new uh, facility <laughs> that you're going to be open in January, and we, we hope to come back and visit with you after y'all got that place um, um, completed. But, uh, I mean, I've been fascinated by the stuff you guys have in your, in your, in your warehouse. I mean, I was blown away. I mean, Andy Warhol paintings to uh, the one thing I, I don't understand is, uh, how are you able to sell, how are you able to sell bourbon and fine spirits and things of that nature? I mean, as are you, are you, are you, are you dodging the law here? Lou? What are we, what's going on here? <laughs> With the bourbon, bourbon issues and all those yeah, things. That's what nobody wants to talk about. That's, yeah. that's what the real purpose of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We really want to understand this bourbon. Sale, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, no, no dodging at all. Um, there are permits you have to acquire. Um, and so it's, it's actually um, a process that anybody who wants to have an event um, has to go through with the ABC board. We do that very diligently. Okay. So um, uh, it is a permitted process. Is there a regulatory body for auctioneers? I, 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 if, I mean, like, you know, we, we like the North Carolina Banking Commission is, is our regulator, you know, and we are fiduciary and all those good things. But for for auctioneers, who is your who is your regulatory body? Not, not take the spirits off the shelf, but I mean, just in general, who yeah, would it be? So many states across our country do have a state run regulatory board for auctioneers. Um, Virginia, South Carolina, West Virginia, um, and North Carolina is no different. So we do have that body uh, that governs the auctioneers out of Raleigh. Okay. And it's a, uh, you have to have a license, uh, just like many other professionals. You have to renew that. You have to take continuing education. There are rules and regulations that all auctioneers follow. So, um, uh, and they have a team down there helping to uh, help uh, auctioneers as well as to uh, uh, correct auctioneers when needed. Hmm. So, so, so uh, you mentioned you know the markets being fast moving in in uh, in, in your, your field. Talk about you know some of the recent trends. You know what's you know what are some of the sought after uh, categories right now? You know what's what's soft? You know kind of. I mean it's uh, it's fascinating to me that you know, I mean someone uh, in your position you've got you've got such a great you're like a market maker almost. You know but so it, I'm curious. You know, what do you what's what are some of the exciting categories uh, and surprises that maybe people people not be aware of uh, in the field now? I would say yeah, if we're thinking about art specifically, and Leland, you might be able to speak to other for other um, departments better than I can. But within art, it's pretty interesting. Um, a lot of there's a lot of interest in contemporary art right now. Um, just very forward thinking contemporary art, you know, that's very diverse um, in keeping with a lot of the great things that are happening in the country and in the world right now. So um, 
people are really looking broadly and thinking really openly about contemporary art, a lot of interest in um, graffiti art, like Keith Haring, those kinds of people. Um, There's always a love of um, some of the modernist artists, like, you know, big names like Picasso, Chagall, Matisse, and then for the old, old stuff like Rembrandt and Durer and, um, you know, those types of old master artists. Um, but that's just for the flat framed art for other mm-hmm. things, Leland, I feel like you might be able to more specifically speak to that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh regarding the other departments where, where there's energy right now, um, as a rule, we're, we're, we're going to say that it's things that people know and understand, right. And, and that's a, a very interesting thing for you gentlemen to think about. So when we, when we talk about antiques, we sell a lot of antiques here, right? Because that's what a lot of the market is. But a lot of the market, in terms of volume is what I'm saying, but a lot of the buyers that are in the market do not understand the antiques. And so that's why it's softer today than yeah. it was before. And so people say, oh, um, this is a, a bad time to buy or sell antiques, or it's, it's cheaper than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Um, look, here's the reality of where we are right now. Um, they're not worth less. They're not worth anything. This is what they're worth now. They have been worth that value now. The paradigm has shifted, right? Uh, Bill, you've heard that all the time in financial. This is the paradigm that we live in, right? So um, if you want to live in valuations from the 1990s, feel free to do that. But if you want to live in 2020 to 2030, here's here's the paradigm that we're in. So w- when we look at uh, uh, things that are bullish, uh, it's to learn point it, it, it's name brand things so rolex watches gibson guitars right um uh, collector level uh, vintage uh, vehicles right that, that people can relate to jaguars and you know early chevys and um you know when we look at um broader markets it's mid-century modern in, in general right with the, the, the furniture that people grew up with in the 50s 60s and 70s um that is very strong juxtapose that right gentlemen from the 80s and 90s when that was weak and antiques were very strong right fast forward 20 to 40 years later and it's it's a complete switch of energy right uh so hmm. uh, uh, and then you add in that you know fine jewelry um uh, and fine art uh, i don't know lauren i always feel like those two things have always been valuable the last hundred yeah. years they always will be valuable the next hundred years um, but then we have surges. Uh, to your earlier point, you know, uh, uh, fine wine has been collectible for decades, but uh, it's surging these last three or four years regarding the, the the rare whiskeys, right? In the 1970s, there wasn't that demand for such a thing, but there was in the fine art to, to Lawrence Park and, and, and fine jewelry, right? Uh, David Webb or VCA has always been high-end jewelry. It was collectible when it was made. It was collectible 20 years ago. It's collectible today. It will be collectible tomorrow, right? But we are seeing a surge in and, 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 and certainly the uh, the rare whiskeys, we are seeing a surge in mid-century modern. Um, and uh, those would be two of my, my broader categories, I would think, uh, uh, Lauren. Uh, who are the big buyers of these categories at this point? If you had to uh, you know, categorize it, you know, where, what, is there a particular group that drives demand for, for you know, say, whiskey? I, I'm sure there'd be a big buyer out of Rocky Mount for whiskey, but uh, <laughs> but, but maybe, uh, maybe um, you could talk about you know, where, who are your customers for some of these uh, interesting categories? Are they the yeah. same? I, mean, I guess basically are they North Carolina or is it, um, uh, are you talking about a global marketplace or sort of, uh, you know, tell me about your experience there. Well, one other thing I'd like to layer on top of that too. One thing I found 
fascinating about about your particular group is you are a North Carolina based company, and and obviously there are you know huge houses out of New York and you know the the Sotheby's of the world. There's all different kinds of companies that are doing what you guys do, but but yeah, I mean to Burke's question, are, are what's your percentage of local people versus from a macro standpoint, and then and then uh-huh. get a little bit granular, more granular if you can, and let us know. You know, is is it people you know coming from Raleigh every day, or is it or is it people just throwing in bids over the internet, or you know, I'm I'm fascinated by right. that. What are you seeing, Lauren? So, well, the um, regarding demographics of who you know buyers, I would say it's really broad, and that's really cool because you know it's it's really it's not specific to one, um, one type of person, which we love because the same person who is interested in, you know, a beautiful tennis bracelet, not necessarily the same type, same person who would love antique cars or who would love, you know, wine or whiskey. I mean, it's all, we have all different, you know, North Carolina Potter, we have all different types of buyers. So it's great. Like all ages, all people from all over the place. And then in terms of um, location with, with the internet, things have really changed in a a great way um, because it's made our reach even more broad as I know it has lots of auction houses. Um, We have buyers from all over the world and we certainly have a really strong local following um, of really wonderful, loyal customers. Um, But I mean, it's, it's great because it's, it's become so much more broad with the internet, with our awesome website that our IT director, Joe Waddell built. And um, also, you know, we use these terrific um, auction hubs, these uh, websites like um, live auctioneers, invaluable um, in terms of art, like Artnet, ArtPrice, AskArt, these different hubs that people who are buyers know to go to. Um, So it really attracts people from all over the place. So say someone in, you know, I don't know, um, England is looking for a David Hockney print. I'm just thinking about something Mm -hmm. that I would work with. They, you know, if they've saved a search for a specific work by that artist on one of these um, websites our auction house pop up that work that we're selling will pop up and then they'll know, and they can either come to bid directly through us or they can bid through the website. So it's really great, what the internet's done. So it's made it really broad. It's it's really, I bet it's been an exponential gain for you guys, the internet, as far as just yeah. good gosh. I, I mean, cause all of your auctions used to be, didn't they used to all be, I don't know. I, I know, um, I know my wife's been to, been to your several of your auctions and um they were always live and i don't i don't think she's ever i don't think she's ever bid on anything over over the internet or anything but i mean did I talk about that leon i mean you yeah what percentage of it is, yeah. is over the internet now versus versus the live auctions right so to set the stage a little bit um we've been running live auctions in a traditional sense where there's an auctioneer crying yeah. a bid up until COVID, right mm-hmm. um but before that in 2001 2002 we were one of the, the, if not the first auction companies in the entire Southeast to move to a hybrid auction where you bring in 
uh, internet live real-time bidding into your live auction, right? So we've, we've been engaging in that model for 18, 19 okay. years, all right? Um, uh, now that's obviously developed further as we moved into 2012 with people you know, getting tablets and into 2015, 2016, where almost everybody had smartphones and, um, and where we are today, which is, you know, everybody has access, um, at least the, the market share that we're, we're speaking to um, for either a smartphone or a tablet or a desktop or, or a laptop. Um, I, I would also say that in, in terms of the, the basis, Lauren's right, we, we have a, a global economy and, and you know, we're not any different than, say, Christie's, who, who has that, that same opportunity, uh, only we are a regional company. So in terms of to separate our acquisition of material, right, it, it's coming from the Southeast. So South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia um, are a primary collection of material, people who are consigning. Obviously, we do bring things in from Florida and, and the West Coast and up, but that's maybe 10 or 15% of what's coming in. The vast majority, you know, 85, 90% is coming from within our region. The the, the big difference, um, Lauren, that, that I would like to add that I think helps separate what we're doing um, are, 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 are these points. And, and that, is, that is one, anybody can use the internet, but without a brand and without trust, there's no value, right? So... In large part, you know, uh, Lauren and her colleagues, who are department directors, bring a great deal of trust and competency and speciality to what they're selling. So that when someone's looking for the David Hockney print in London, and they see our brand, Little Little Auctions, they see it was, you know, through, through Lauren's department, there's a great deal of value and trust in where it's coming from. And that helps escalate the price on the global market that in fact we are selling specifically what she's put out there to be sold. So the, the, uh, in, in summary, yes, the internet's a powerful tool. It has changed the global landscape for a lot of businesses, but used wisely with what we're able to collect in our regional markets that is marketable and saleable under the uh, care and custody of our department directors. Now these things are reaching homes and collectors, as Lauren said, worldwide. And not, not to forsake, again, uh, you know, there's a lot of really great, you know, we're very fortunate, right, Bill, where we live from Wilmington to, to Charlotte. Um, uh, it, it's not that there's, there, there's, there's money here. There, there is, right? And you gentlemen know that. But also people who have had great opportunity for travel and education and yeah. going to museums, right? Your, your, your best investor or your best collector is somebody who has, has some knowledge, right? So um, many times when we're going into homes here just within our, an hour's drive, there are people who get what they have they understand the market they, they've been to museums they've been to uh they, they, they get trade magazines on, on art and antiques and um and that's a helpful start when you begin to work with a buyer or seller if i'm not mistaken yeah i, I was just thinking lauren I, I i gotta believe at some point since you you've been doing what you've been doing um that have you i, I would love to hear so you've got to have probably one story at least i would think of somebody they called up that might sound like, you know, good old Billy Bob from, from Pittsburgh or for, you know, I don't want to pick up any, like any town, <laughs> any, from anywhere from Eastern North Carolina, from some small town. <laughs> and he's got some, he says, I think I've got something here. And it turns out he's got some incredible, you know, valuable piece. And you're thinking this guy probably doesn't know what he's got, you know, or, or have you had any crazy stories or any, any, anything? Uh, 
There definitely been a few like that. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest things about working yeah. in the auction business yeah. is it's not always, you know, stereotypical, you know, people you would think have the strongest items, you know, sometimes things just come out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, it's wonderful when it's a surprise uh-huh. for me or someone else at the auction house. And it's a surprise to the person who owns the item because it's <laughs> happy all around. Uh-huh. Um, there was one, I'm thinking of one instance a couple of years ago, there was a really nice gentleman who came to the auction house and he had a car. It was a, it was an old station wagon. He was just full of items. and. Um, lots of different things. And I, um, I was looking through the different items and on the top there was a flat piece of art and it was under glass and the glass was all smashed. Uh I pulled it out and, um, I recognized there were some Chinese characters and pencil in the bottom, right. And I recognized it not because I can tell what Chinese characters say, but I, uh, (laughs) I, it was a Chinese artist named Zhao Wu Qi, and we had just sold one um, a couple of months earlier. He's a modernist artist who did a lot of work in the middle of the 20th century with like Picasso and Juan Moreau. And so I instantly, I saw it and I thought, oh, I think that's that same artist. So we pulled the glass off and we realized it was by this artist, Zhao Wu Qi, and it was beautiful print. The broken glass hadn't damaged it or anything, thankfully. Um and it was great. It sold for the fair market value. I think it sold somewhere like 55, 6,500, 6,000. So it wasn't, you know, insanely valuable, right. but it was much more. He didn't know when he was the nicest person. Mm-hmm. And um, then, uh, you know, you know, retail, it might've been even, or, you know, insurance replacement value, the value might've been even stronger, but I just, I love things like that. It yeah. just it made my week because- yeah. It was just interesting all around. Taylor, what about you? Do you have any any uh, great success yeah. stories like that? Um, I think one that uh, uh, that I, I enjoy is um, I was in a home here in North Carolina, um, in, in Wake County, actually. And as many times you, you do, you're looking at kind of what they're wanting to show you, right? Oh, look at this sofa, look at this dining table, and you know we'd like to sell these. Uh, um, these things and, and and many times the things that people want to sell are, are not valuable, <laughs> right? They just need to get out of their way, and 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 so we're always looking around when we're on a house call to see if there might be a painting or asking questions. Do you have any old, you know, vintage shotguns or anything like that? And so we go into the bedroom, and at the foot of the bed was a blanket chest, and it caught my eye, and so I. I kind of followed the tour and, and, and let the family tell me about the things they wanted to in, in the room. And, um, and so I said, well, you know, what about the blanket chest at the foot of the bed? Is that something that you would consider uh, selling? And, um, and they said, uh, oh, yeah. And I, and I said, well, you know, what do you know about it? Is it something you all acquired? Oh, no, it's it's been sitting there for years and it's been in the family for years. It's just it's just been there. It's just always been there, right? And, and you can appreciate, uh, gentlemen, that many times we're talking to people that things that come down for decades right. in their family and they never even stopped to ask a question about it. Not yeah. they didn't want to, but just cause it's always been there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so uh, uh, they said, sure. Uh, I was excited about it. Um, 
we uh, cataloged it, we got it to market, um, and um, and this specific thing was called a, a dower chest. So it's a paint decorated blanket chest, typically Germanic influence, but this one happened to be a North Carolina example. Um, June Lucas, who uh, uh, worked at MESDA, that's the Museum of Early Southern Decorative Arts, had recently just done an article on this cabinet shop in North Carolina and, and, uh, and the works so from there. So um, we went to auction and um, the, the blanket chest brought $81,000 and wow. now, uh, now resides at the, uh, collect, the permanent collection of uh, Williamsburg and, and Williamsburg, Virginia. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that is. I bet you were their favorite favorite new auctioneer after that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, yeah, I'm sure there's so many people, you know, I just think about people I know that I go in some of their houses and I'm knowing, you know, I'm just looking at some of the, especially artwork, Lauren, you know, right in your, right in your wheelhouse that I'm going, wow, that, I mean, that's, they're going to have some really beautiful pieces to, to auction off at some point. And it's, yeah. and some of them don't even quite, know what they have i think sometimes and uh i don't know i find it i find it fascinating i don't know i think it's very interesting yeah i think it's great that um like you were saying leland a lot of times the things that you know have the most value in terms of market value aren't necessarily the most you know the mm-hmm. what you would think of as the most flashy the item that you would draw your attention first um i i love that that um you know, it might be something that's just sort of been quietly sitting there for a long time mm-hmm. and has had its place. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. You never Very know. Cool. Very yeah. cool. So, so um, I would just like, to, I, I want to be respectful of y'all's time, but I, I wanted to just um, ask you, uh, you know, if, as you're, as we have a, hopefully an, an audience of folks that are interested in, in y'all services, uh, you know, what, what, are, what are maybe two or three things that people should know uh, as they're, as they're going to go on through the process of um, if they have, uh, you know, something that they believe to be valuable, um, you know, like maybe what to, what to expect about, you know, how the process works. Yeah. Me. Okay. Yeah. To the, I say um, if someone has um, a selection of items or a specific item or, you know, an, um, a whole collection, a whole house with items that they're interested in consigning and learning more about. The, a good first step is to email us photographs, just uh-huh. quick, nothing fancy photos from their phone. And we actually have a great um, resource on our on our website where people can send information. Um, and then we're really quick about getting back to people. So we'll respond really quickly and um, look at the photos and then figure out the best next step from there, whether it's asking people to bring items in or, you know, sometimes we schedule an appointment at someone's home. Um, Other things to expect. Yeah. I mean, that's always, you just never know. So that's always the good, the best thing to do is to show us the items. Getting a visual. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And then in terms of auctions coming up, we have everything for potential buyers and just people who are interested. Um, Everything is on our website. So we have the current auctions where people can bid. Um, Auctions are always up for, you know, a week or two weeks prior to the actual day of the auction when things close. So it's great. So you can see, you can think about it a little bit and bids are gathered throughout the week or a few weeks 
until the final day. And then we have future upcoming auctions listed too. So you know what's coming up. How many will y'all, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How many will y'all do typically? You know, I know with this kind of crazy COVID world we're living in right now, but what, how many, how many will y'all do a year? You think, I mean, how many, how many, how many Leland? We run probably close to 55 to 60 sales a year. Okay. Okay. Wow. So anywhere from five sales a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We usually have one going on. It's great. Right. Always something. And that would be in Hillsboro, North Carolina. <laughs> and, and, uh, but they could reach out to the world because of the internet. What, what is know. the internet address? What is the, the web address? <laughs> So, Leland Leland Little. Little. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Say again. Uh, LelandLittle.com. Right. Okay. There you go. Give everybody the opportunity to get that out there. Yeah. And one, one other thing, I, I I do know y'all are building. Talk talk about a little bit about your new your new world headquarters you're building in uh, Hillsborough. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be yeah. really nice from what I've heard. So one of the uh, uh, objectives here was to build a, a new building that would house um, three components. And that would be one, our administrative offices, uh, two, our production rooms. That's where the new inventory that Lawrence has figured it comes. And that's where the directors process it, catalog it, research it, right, before it goes off to, to photography. Um, uh, but probably most importantly, uh, the third aspect of this new building is to um, provide an environment where we can host our community. And we host our community, not just in a traditional auction, uh, because earlier to, to your uh, point, uh, Bert, uh, uh, of the 55, 60 auctions a year, um, uh, maybe four or five of them are done in a, in a live sense now, mm-hmm. all painting are done all online only, digital sales. So when we talk about um, this, we're talking about a, a place for exhibition of, of, of uh, collections. We're talking about a place for um, lectures or um, uh, a- academic re- research on something. Uh, maybe we'll have a, a decoy association come and, and, and talk about decoys. Uh, we're talking about evening events where people can have wine tastings. Uh, we're talking about uh, a place for uh, people to meet and, and talk about art. And, and so this is really a, um, uh, a building that is going to facilitate that. And, and to that end, we specifically um, engaged the services of Richard Gerlitz, uh, an architect very well known out of Chapel Hill, um, to design um, not just the, the, the function of it, but, but the beauty of it. And, and, and so you can actually go to our site right now and see that the process coming along. But, but he, he's brought together a, a really contemporary look with cantilevered roofs, um, specialty lighting. Um, the exhibition space has these um, uh, diagonal walls that create a lot of movement. Uh, there are vaulted ceilings. Um, the actual auction gallery has got a, a, a tiered ceiling, um, beautiful carpeting. And, and so he has really, to his credit, um, brought this concept together. And then through the uh, construction and management team, attendance uh, to the details, which as you can appreciate them in this time right now has been very difficult with materials and labor and, and, and just not just pricing, but acquisition. Yeah. But, but, but our hope and our goal, our vision is to create a campus here, um, uh, starting next year in, in January and henceforth um, that encourages uh, 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 new collectors, right, to, to come into the area and, and get involved. It encourages uh, uh, people to, to buy, sell, and trade, right, and, and, and encourages people to learn, right, um, and, and come out and get interested in the category. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. I, I love looking at your website. My wife is a huge fan of your firm, and um, – and I've I've enjoyed my association with both both Lauren and Leland for for several years now, and um, 
thank y'all so much for joining us today. Um, we, we hope to get back with you again once you're, you're moved in and maybe you can give us a little virtual tour or something um, of your new facility and um, maybe an in-person tour. Yeah. An in-person tour. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and, and for our listeners, I, I would highly recommend checking out their website. They have some amazing, amazing things on, on there. I, I'm kind of always blown away by what you guys have got on that, on your, on your website. So congratulations on your company and, and I wish you continued success. Thank you guys so much. Thank you Lauren so and much Leland. for having us. Thank you. This has really been a treat to talk to you all. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, pleasure's been ours. Thank you for listening to Trust Company Talks. These opinions are intended as entertainment. Any opinions expressed on this podcast by Bill Noble, Burke Coons, or anyone else are not necessarily those of Trust Company of the South. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be accurate. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. These materials are not intended to be tax or legal advice. Readers are encouraged to consult their own legal tax and investment advisor before implementing any financial strategy.